Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Tracy. Tracy is a certified life coach who's been there, done that, and got the stepmom t-shirt. She already owned the bio mom, divorce mom, and single mom t-shirts, but who's counting? She leveraged 20 years of professional training and expertise in alternative healthcare to help herself and her family carry their personal baggage on the sweaty but invigorating trek through the wilderness of step family life. I can so relate. Tracy's dream job is helping other stepmoms find their way to the light at the end of the tunnel, because there is one, and to join her there, feeling useful and appreciated in family life, grounded and confident in personal life. In her spare time, she helps boyfriends and husbands learn to parent with integrity so they can make the impact they really want in the, in the lives of their kids. She's living the dream from her home in small town Canada, where she produces the Essential Stepmom podcast that I'm so excited about. Heard in 58 countries around the world, you can join her Facebook community by sending her a join request to the spectacular stepmom. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here and so nice to meet you. I am so excited about the work you're doing. I just want to jump right in. Um, Before we get to your work, I want you to give a little street cred to the audience about your own divorce story. So can you tell us a little bit about what your marriage was like and what your divorce was like? Yeah, sure. Um, I was married for, oh, how many years? 13, 14, 14 years, maybe. And uh, my daughter was 11 when I decided to divorce. And I probably, you know, I probably should have gotten divorced. I probably should have never married this person, except that, of course, I'm the benefit is that I have a daughter who I love so much and she's wonderful. Um, but like I could have gotten divorced when she was two or three or five or seven or, you know, anytime it was not in my wheelhouse. It was not something that, you know, my parents have been married for 64 years or like didn't know anybody who was divorced. All of their friends were married all those years. I, it just was not anything that I ever entertained as a solution to my problem. The solution was, suck it up, you know, um, like everything in life, I, I, I had two options, which were figure it out and suck it up. Can I just say um, something that's so interesting. So I'm all about like, live your truth and be who you are and own that regardless of what it looks like. And what I did was what you just said, I tried to suck it up. I worked my ass off trying to suck. gratitude lists all over town. I mean, I, my, yeah, me my, too. My perspective and my acceptance level was so small. I mean, so great that by the time I got to the place where I got to, I was basically like, you could do zero things and I'll just be trying to be happy. And what I love about that idea is today we get to make decisions based on what our truth is. And then we, the solution is to suck it up in our co-parenting and in our stepmom stuff. That's so right. Because the person I want to live with for the rest of my life is me. 
And then whoever yeah. I choose as my partner <laughs> is going to be hopefully awesome. But the sucking it up should not be my person. It should be like the right. outside people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, uh, anyway, so you were sucking I, it up. sorry, you were sucking it I up. I was sucking it up. And then finally, you know, I just, I just couldn't anymore. Like you're, <clears throat> I remember when my husband went with me one time to counseling together. Uh, I remember saying, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on a cistern of, of hurt that, that is full, mm. like the cement lid is on and no more can go in. Wow. And I can't, I just can't put any more in there. And I remember the, the counselor asking my husband, would you like to know more about what she's talking about? And he said, no. He didn't no, want to. And that was the moment when I, I knew that, that that's the end, you know? So did he know uh, that you were struggling? Um, he knew that he had been um, uh, unfaithful, uh, like through the entirety of our marriage. And he knew it and I knew it. It wasn't a secret, um, but that it had just it had gone from that, you know, that was something that I felt that I could encapsulate that somewhere. Like I could scotomize that little piece mm -hmm. of what was wrong with our relationship and say, this is who he is. He has, you know, this kind of over-sexualized attention seeking piece of him. That's not ever going to go away. I'm not going to change him. I can live around that. Can I, I understand that the yeah. Tracy you are today. Would you want that in your current marriage? No, never, never. Right. So never. do you think for, for me and for a lot of people I speak with, we try so hard to change our values and our worth and, and change who we are in order to fit the person mm. we're with rather than the other yeah. way around, like honor, like this is who I am and I don't deserve, nor do I want to be with someone who can't be faithful to me. No, of course not. And it's a, it's like a cost benefit ratio that mm. you go through in your mind, right? Like I married this person having had red flags about this before we got together, but I flattered myself with the idea that I was the person that he wanted to come back to. Yeah. And that I was better than these other people because I was the one that he chose and said, you're the one I want to marry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to be with you forever. And the other philandering was like, those were meaningless things in terms of the connection that we had. That was an That's expression. That's what you had to tell yourself. Of, right. I told myself that was an expression of this, you know, this weakness that he has, and I can cope with that because that's not about our connection. That's something that can stay on his side of the fence. And in truth, if he had been nice to me the rest of the time, I probably could have borne it, you know, but were you, got, were you emotionally fulfilled by him? Um, my fantasy of what our relationship was, was emotionally fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fantasy of it was, but he was a, um, I mean, I think it's fair to, I don't want to use the word narcissist that gets like bandied around, you know, he wasn't like malignant, but he was very, very much about himself and his needs right. and, and who he was and what he needed. And, um, and Do you know, my favorite question yeah. is to ask us when we get what? stuck in those places, what? I heard it from one of my clients and she said, what would you want? Would you want your marriage for your children? And you think about your daughter. And yeah, would you want no, that first no, marriage for, 
It's so much easier. No, but think I think about it like that. I think that I was modeling. I thought I was modeling my parents' marriage. Mm. I mean, I thought I was living out what I saw modeled, which was that you have difficulties between you and you, you just work it out. Yeah. Like work you suck it, it up. Nothing is yeah. perfect. Yeah. No relationship is perfect. Yeah. They There's all have, not. you know, and there were, he right. had many, he had many good qualities. He's a very, very interesting person. He's a wide reader. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, he's very talented. Uh, he's very outgoing, gregarious, but like th- those were all the reasons that I married him. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a situation where he was somebody who was just sucking up all the air in the room. Mm. There was no room for anyone else to live with him. Um, so I have a question. Once you said that there's no more, I can't put any more in there. There's, there's too much hurt. Um, how was your divorce process? The process was, you know, that, um, you know, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. You know, those Winnie the Pooh stories. So, you know, the, the picture of like Pooh goes to, to rabbit's house and eats a honey and then, and then he can't get out and rabbit is pushing his bum from behind yeah. the little <laughs> hole and all the friends are pulling mm-hmm. from the other side was our divorce like everyone I knew was pulling on his arms to get him out the door and I was pushing on the backside it took nine months to get him to agree to leave and it took me finding his dream apartment he he produced a list with everything that he had to have in this apartment all of the details and the price point and where it should be and like so you just love what we have to do in order I mean I had to buy like matching sets of everything for my husband's house. I had to like, I had to like, my mom calls it color by number. I had to like color by number the divorce. So I was like, look, I've got everything packed for you. You're going to take this and this will go in the boys room and this will go in this boys room. And I got a rug and I got a, because I knew that he was not yeah. at that time in his life capable of doing that. Cause I'd done everything. And so he was so logical. It was like, I don't know how to do this. And so you bought him, you found him an apartment. Like, here's your apartment. Go. Yeah, I totally, I did it. And I remember clearly that he went to see the apartment with our daughter and came back and said, yeah, it was really great. It had this and this, and it was like a miracle that I found this place. And he said, but I didn't take it because um, you told me you wanted me to be out by June the 1st and it's only available on July the 1st. At which point I had a very uncharacteristic, complete screaming shit fit meltdown. <laughs> yeah. I just, I went up to my room and I laid on my bed and I wailed. And I think my daughter must have been scared out of her mind. And I came down after about an hour and I said, you're going to get on the phone now. And you're going to call them back and say that you want to take it. And by now there was a lineup of people who wanted it. You know, like I said, you're going to take it. I can deal with another month. This is the apartment and you're going to get it. And, and he did. And after that, it was okay. But it was very lengthy process. He How do you guys co-parent? Well, I mean, it's so many years ago now, like it's 20 years ago. So we co-parented. Yeah. So we co-parented. We didn't co-parent. I did everything. And he saw her every other weekend. That Mm. was the extent of it. He, he was a fun place to go every other weekend. Yeah. And, and she was a like really, really super easy kid. So there wasn't any parenting that happened. I never had to consult him about discipline issues or medical problems or school choices or, you know, um, there, Is there she wasn't married? anything. She's not married. She's 32 now. If she decides to get married, would she be worried? Would this worry go in her head? Oh crap. How am I going to do this if my parents will have to be in the same room? 
No, no, we've been in the same room lots. That's good. Um, that's like no, that's like, used the, to, that's like the acid test. We used to do actually Christmas together, although um, uh, Christmas is such a long story because I'm Jewish and I grew up without any Christmas, as did you, I imagine. Yes. Um, uh, but that after, um, like, I was agreeable to spend Christmas with my husband's family. And after his dad started to winter in Florida and there was no more Christmas, uh, this one of those incidents was a real turning point for me where I really, that's where I should have packed it in and left. And instead I sort of melted into a puddle and said, okay, okay, we'll do Christmas here. And I have to say they're, they're lovely, lovely memories of our Christmases at home. And then after we split up when she was 11, um, we spent every, she and I spent every Christmas day with him in his apartment. Because you were uh, we able to suck years. it up. Because you were able to totally. suck it up and show up. Totally. And you didn't have to miss those memories. And you didn't have to w- be alone. And you got And to- I knew that it was for her. It right. was important that we were both there on the same day. And so I can spend a day with him. I'm not going to die. Right? Yes, you're not going to die. I love it like, so much. I can eat his turkey. I mean, he, we, he used to do Christmas here. And I have to say, we have, we have beautiful memories. He was, that was one day when he would like pull out all the stops, cook a full turkey dinner with multiple pies. My family would drive in from Toronto. All my Jewish relatives would come and have Christmas with us. And, um, and every year there were more and more people because other relatives would hear about what a nice party it was at our house. And so like we had a huge Christmas ritual here that, that was lovely. And so then after we were separated, we would go there with him. And then he got a girlfriend who was completely lovely. And I'm still friends with her like 17 years after they split up. Uh, but it it was much easier to visit when she was there because then I could socialize with her and I wasn't, you know, didn't have to be so whatever focused on him, but we would spend the whole day there. Like we would go in the morning and do presents and then I would sit there while he cooked a whole turkey that we would eat at two in the afternoon or whatever. And then we would watch movies. So, and you um, didn't die. You didn't die. I didn't die. I did not die. It wasn't, you know, what, was it my first choice of what I would no, do? Probably but not. It's not about but you. It's not about it's, me your at all. Your daughter got to have memories of both of her parents on a holiday. I have a question exactly. for you. I'm yeah. so excited about this. So co-parenting is such an important topic. And the reason why I have you on here is because you specifically talk about the perspective of the other woman, the stepmom. Yeah. And I'm a stepmother. And um, you mentioned that this is a misunderstood term and who wants to be the evil stepmom, but it's really a subject that we all need to talk more about, which is why I have you on here. So before we get to that, tell me when you became a stepmom. Uh, so I've been a stepmom for 14 years, mm-hmm. but I have kind of an interesting story. So after my mm-hmm. husband left, I needed a way to um, make some more money so that I could keep the house that we were living yeah. in. And after trying some, uh, you know, alter like additional jobs, I was a professional musician at that point. So I was playing in a symphony orchestra. I was teaching violin and I, you know, did some extra jobs here and there, whatever. I, I realized that our house was pretty big and I could rent a bedroom mm-hmm. for extra money. And, uh, I, I did, I did it one year. We had a roommate and then that person went away and then um, the next year, someone in my workplace in the orchestra said, you know, there's, there's somebody coming into our orchestra who's commuting from really far away, who needs a room to stay a few nights a week, can I put you together? So, so this fellow came and moved in with us, with my daughter and I, 
uh, for like four or five days a week or whatever it was. And um, we got to be friends and we were very compatible roommates. We cooked our meals together and we would wash up together. Totally 100% platonic. Like if you had asked me at any point, I would have said like, zero so you were not had initially attracted not initially zero attracted. okay like less You're, than there's zero. a nice male that's living with us not trust my in, type right. in a hundred years <laughs> and i also wasn't Which, by interested. the way i gotta tell you um, i work with some dating coaches and they say go find someone the exact opposite of your type yeah okay, yeah so anyway um at one point i thought that we would probably be like those you know, those quirky brother sister who live together until they're yeah. 80, you know, yeah. I thought we we're going to be this like platonic couple of like quirky friends who are just going to live together forever. He was, he was married still at that time. And he had taken this job in my town um, because it paid a lot more than the one where he liked more than double where mm -hmm. the, the job that he had, where he was living. And because his own marriage was so unhappy that he said, this feels like an alternative to getting divorced. Like I'm gonna be away for five days a week and maybe we can manage that much of each other. But as the years went on and their differences of like life and how to parent and everything became more and more polarized, um, you know, his marriage eventually fell apart. So you and got to be his witness. Like you got to be his friend and his witness. Totally. Totally. And were and you dating at this time? Like no, other people? no, you were just not interested. No, I wasn't interested. But right at that moment, it's funny because I went. So at one point I went to a meditation retreat. I had been meditating ever since I, like before I got divorced, I found somebody to teach me to meditate that I felt like I really needed it. And it was a huge help. Mm -hmm. And then I was introduced to another tradition of meditation which is vipassana meditation where you go for it it's a 10-day silent retreat that's the introductory level of this like kind of meditation. Pray, love like that something start, like that yeah, right yeah. so um you have to entertain this 10-day experience in order to learn this kind of meditation and when i came back from that it's really profound i mean you're meditating 12 14 hours a day for 10 days it's it's a real experience are you allowed to I, write no, nothing. Oh, no reading, <laughs> no writing, no talking to anybody. It's, uh, it's very intense. Yeah. But a extremely wonderful, highly recommended experience. I've been back many times. Um, but when I came back from that, I knew that I had been cutting myself off from a mm. whole part of my life experience. It'd been six years that I hadn't been with anybody, hadn't had the slightest inclination to go on a date or whatever. So I realized that I was, you know, uh, I was ignoring an important part of so your my daughter's inner like 17, life. right? At this point, around That's that right. time. Yeah. 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 And so I started telling my friends that they could give my name out, mm -hmm. you know, to, to people. You put it out to the universe. I put it out to the universe. And I, I did go out a couple of times with one man who I had previously been friends with and who I really liked very much. He was a widower. And um, we dated a little bit, but I could not get over the fact that I couldn't be in love with him. I was not attracted to him. Mm. I respected him. I loved being with him. I loved his kids and his 
home life. He was the center of a very large extended family and beautiful person and relationship. But I finally had to say, like, I can't do this if I'm not in love with you. It doesn't feel authentic for me. I, I need to have that experience. And as I was thinking about the people who I might potentially date, you know, I, I, I would go for a long walk every day and it would, you know, my mind would wander. And I started thinking like, God, how is this going to be when I'm really dating someone? How is this going to change my relationship with my roommate, this person who is now my husband and to whom I had zero attraction at the time, I kept thinking, it's going to really affect my relationship with him. And that's going to be weird and awkward. And why is it going to be awkward? I don't understand. Well, because I, how will I be able to hang out with him anymore? And like, really, we were, we were best friends. Right. Because you felt like if you were with another person that that other person would be like, why are you with this man in your house? I don't want a man in your house. You didn't want to lose lose your best friend. Or with me, like, how am I going to keep having a relationship with my friend when I'm drawn away now into another and like a light bulb went off and it's literally in one second I just said I want to be with him (gasps) like it sounds very romantic but it was kind of traumatizing at the time because I know it happened to me I remember calling my now husband and I said it was May 14th I remember being so angry and I called him and I said there's we have a problem and he said, what? And I said, I'm in love with you. And I don't know what to do about it. And this sucks. And we were just friends. And he's like, he didn't say this is ridiculous. He didn't tell me to stop. It, it changed every, like everything changed. Yeah. So, so what did, did you go home and tell him? No, because at that moment, he hadn't told me yet that he had gotten separated. Oh, so you didn't even know. And of so course I kept my mouth shut yeah. and he yeah. kept his mouth shut. Yeah. And, um, And it took a few weeks until he told me that he had been like that he had told his wife he wanted to separate. He was still going there. They lived about three hours away. So he was still going there and he was like sleeping in his daughter's bedroom and she would sleep with her mom when they went there. And he hadn't told me that that was happening. So it it really um, transformed. I bet. in, In just a few days after that you know like I still didn't make a move because I was still thinking like I had spent these four years trying to keep these two people together like let's just say that I had spent many hours yeah um sort of counseling him about about how to respond when his wife would do this or that or how to take it or how to talk to her about this or how to understand what she's going through whatever and so I was still part of me was still hoping that this was a temporary thing and that they might, you know, this, this is a family with three little kids. They were little, they were, uh, at this point, they're six, seven and 10. And so when he came to live with me, they were two and three and seven, they were really little. Did they ever and, come to you ever? Um, yeah, that- yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I knew them, uh, which is, which is part of, um, it's, um, it's a particular part of my stepmom story that, I understand a lot of other people don't get to experience that I knew these kids and I, I knew that they liked me before we became a couple. So that question. when things got rocky, it wasn't so hard on me. Did the, did his ex-wife um, go through a period of time or still possibly where she did not believe that you guys didn't have anything together? A hundred percent. But I didn't know that he kept that from me. Oh, and I used to say like of all the things that are happening, at least bless her heart that she's not, 
like but she was that you, you, but she was yeah that's I what know happened. it now but I didn't my know my husband still believes that something happened with us and it didn't I literally never touched my current husband uh, I didn't even hug him because yeah. I don't believe and this is just me I don't believe that that is kind I I why not just not be with somebody like I just I didn't want to ever do that to him and so well and in my case it was it was not only because I wasn't attracted, but right. because like that had happened to me. That was my story. Yeah, and you didn't I want would to never, ever, I would never yeah. do it to somebody else. It's shitty. So, so what happened once you guys realized this, did you guys immediately decide you want to be together? Yeah. And yeah, then it was, he, I, I forced him to make a move. Actually, I wouldn't do it. So he, he still teases me about that. Like if he <laughs> hadn't made a move, we would still not be together but you'd um, still be dancing around it yeah exactly so but, tell me um, once you made this decision and the kids were you know six through ten what happened what what made you get to the place where you realized that stepmoms need a coach and that you're the other woman well it was it took 10 years it was it was a hard road um it was long distance parenting for him because they lived three hours away so he was gone every weekend there so he was them. there on the weekends. He was there on the yeah. weekends. And, uh, and they were wretched with him. I mean, they really. Um, was it because them. there was parent alienation? Absolutely. Will you, like, they tell it now. Will you explain it for our listeners what parent alienation is? Well, parental alienation is, um, it's a collection of behaviors uh, where uh, one parent is causing the children to um, to push the other parent away, basically. They're, you know, one parent is causing the children to deny their love for the other parent or to capitalize on small things that happen in every parent-child relationship to say, uh, this is proof that your dad is a bad person or yeah. whatever, you know? So they had a game that they would play where, you know, he phoned every day. So the, the years that he lived here when they were really little, he phoned twice every day. But as they were getting a little bit older, he was phoning now once a day at supper time and the phone would ring and ring and ring and it would go through to the answering machine and nobody would answer. And then he would hang up and he would dial again. And again, it would ring five times and go to the answering machine. And then he would dial again. And on the third or fourth ring, one of the kids would pick up the phone and then they would talk. Those are in the days when there was a house phone, right? But this was every single day, and that went on for years, for years. It's so that was the painful. routine. It's so painful because what it's happening, and it's because I work with clients that want the co-parenting relationship to be healthy. So what's happening, obviously, is that their mother is doing everything she can because she's so angry and has so much resentment and pain. So she's cutting off the one thing that she knows that he needs, right? And all it does is end up harming the children. Besides, in terms of, of course, of the parent, but like well, the children, and, and and I think that um, what it, I mean, the other thing it does is that it sets you up for a boomerang when the kids get old enough to see what's happening, and they always do. People don't believe that that your seven-year-old is going to be twenty-one someday, and they're going to have a life experience, or they're going to see a movie, or they're going to read a book, and they're gonna or they're going to have a relationship, and they're going to say holy shit, that was me. And, um, you know, I talked with, uh, do you know Dorsey Pruder? Mm -mm. Do you know who she is? Um, Dorsey Pruder is a, um, 
oh my gosh, what do I even call her? She has a business helping parents um, cope with parental alienation. She runs um, reunification therapy um, in California, actually. I think she's in LA. Okay. Um, and uh, yes, she runs something called the High Road to Reunification. I'm always uh, talking about the High Road. I say it's very, very yeah. roomy up there because not a lot of people are up there. Exactly. I, people always say to me, you know, I'm so tired of always being the better person. And I say, <laughs> and, and you know what you get? You get to be the better yes, person. You get to not That's be the reward. Yes. You get to be the better person. So I have a question. Like, this must have also affected your relationship with your husband because he can't get off that phone after every single day trying to get through and not have that pain come in. Right. Did it affect your relationship? Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's so painful because then you feel like, you know, you're part of this. It's so well, painful. It's and it's painful in a way that it's not like you get off the phone and say, wow, that was really painful. It's painful in a way that um, that you feel so helpless and so hopeless and like such a bad. I mean, the feeling that he had when he knew that he was leaving his kids behind in what he already knew was a toxic situation. Like, I've never seen a human being cry so hard or like he was literally vomiting from crying so hard and like and I don't think he ever forgave himself for essentially that's huge leaving leaving the burning house with his three kids in it right yes and beating himself up for that and that that degree of of self-recrimination um like there are moments of being able to express it, but mostly it comes out in a bad mood, right? Or, yes, or yes. not like wanting to be alone or not wanting to talk about it. And he's a guy and yes. men are not, are not trained in, in expressing complex. I'm working on that. I've got three boys, so I'm making them express all the time. Yeah. Um, tell me, what was your relationship like with his ex? Cordial, uh, like, if I saw her, it would be cordial, but I like, and again, I can totally be, even still, I can be cordial with her. Like you said, you said in the interview that I heard you do with Evan, like you're going to win an Academy Award now. Like you can do that. Just yeah. smile and be polite and be pleasant. And how long can it take? Like what, right. nothing bad is going to happen to you from this. And, and what I've so- learned from the hard way of watching it with my children, with my husband's partner yeah. is that the worst thing you could possibly do as a stepmom is say something negative about their mom exactly or, I mean or yell at their mom like if you want to lose the kids that's all you yeah. got to do exactly exactly and so you knew you knew you needed to behave no matter oh what. yeah yeah I did and plus in fairness like I've been a I, I've been a homeopath for 20 years so my my training involves learning a lot about child psychological development and family dynamics and you know human psychology Uh, so I had a deep background in understanding you know what people need to feel okay and And secure and love so I I had no interest in like participating in a harmful exercise of like whatever and if anything when when my husband's son came to live here um 
we, well, I say we, I mean, his dad used to make him go to visit his mom. He did not want to go. And, or we, you know, he would make it. Because it was phone. so toxic. It, yeah. And he would say, when's the last time you talked to your mom? You, you really yeah. need to call her or like, yes, That's the you opposite have to go. of parent alienation. That's the opposite. Yeah. It, it yeah. was the, it was the opposite. So at this point, the kids have no contact with their mom at all. Because how old was um, your stepson when he came to live with you? 13. And then the other two were different ages, younger. The older. other, there's an older one who came here for a period of six months when he was 14. And then he was dragged back by like incredible promises of well, you can have whatever you want and, uh, you know, please forgive me. Let me try again to be a better mother. I know I can do it. All that, like just there was no, nothing that was off limits. <laughs> And so he did go back. And then the, uh, the youngest one came here at uh, almost 17. Wow. Will you tell me um, what the most common mistakes are as a step parent? I think that the most common mistake is to have the impression that, um, that, you, have, that you have some responsibility for these mm -hmm. kids, some kind of like karmic responsibility for how they turn out. Uh, like your responsibility is to be nice and civil and helpful and supportive, but it's not to be, to take any of the parenting onto your own shoulders. That's right. not your job. Thank God. Um, yeah, thank God. But like lots right. of women, you know, I think it's especially hard for women who don't have kids. Yeah. Who are emotionally invested in a role that does not belong to them. Yeah. You, you don't become any kind of mother, even though the word stepmother has the word mother in it. Um, I hate that. I'm so sorry. I've got to tell you. Me too. I, I can't very even confusing. say it. I said it the other day, a friend, I said, I wish that they didn't even have the term. I said, there's I obviously very special cases where there's no mother or there's no father. And then you kind of yeah. step in, but we yeah. don't need you to step in. I've got a great father for my children and a great mother for my children. Yeah. And we just need like aunties and uncles that are kind. That's, like, that's right. It. That's, that's exactly it. right. <laughs> it can be aunties, it can be um, a, a teacher vibe, it can be the camp counselor vibe, it can be yeah. the fairy stepmother vibe, you can be a mentor, yeah. um, but, and, you know, and all of the above, but yeah. um, everybody wants to be in the kind of family where the child wants you to be another mom, the, the kind of, the kind of family where the child says, can I call you mom, mm -hmm. you know, that's like a Hallmark movie fantasy and you don't get to decide that that's your expectation or that's the kind of family you're in it, it could it could happen to you in the same way that you could like win a lottery but you can't run your life expecting to win the lottery do you know what I always I love that do you know what I always um do when I when I try to figure it out is I think what would I want it to be on the other end would I want my kids to call someone else mom and I'm like hell no hell so, no but you know what it's it's it this only happens to people who don't have right kids. exactly uh, it's not like there's a mom and now I'd like you to be my other mom it's this is when there's not a mom with any kids and then she wants you to now make me you I'm going to be the mom now to you it's very, I mean, um, I have a yeah, question. Exactly. Um, and what I, what I tell my. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was just going to say that human beings are not wired inside to, um, to have two mothers. It's not, it's not a human 
trait. It's not something that belongs to the evolution of mammals. You know, we're not wired for it. And when you, the thing that happens often that I think, you know, talking about things that step parents don't understand, a lot of uh, really unwanted behaviors and acting out happen when the child does love you. Because if you're a nice person and a supportive adult in their life, they do grow to love you. And what happens is that it's like an instantaneous short circuit because of this, like not room, like they have to kick their own mother out of the nest to make room for you. And then like, then you're a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. If you would do that now you're a bad child and they need to beat themselves up about it. They need to punish themselves for it. And they're going to act out so that they get punished. It's so interesting that you said that because my stepkids um, asked me in the beginning, like, should I call you my stepmom? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm your Carly. You have a mom. Yeah. I'm your Carly. I get to be your Carly yeah. and yeah. my husband's their Johnny and that's it. I, they don't need another dad. We don't want to replace anything. And I don't, I don't jump in in any way for any role that is mother-like at all because Perfect. it's so confusing. Well, and that i mean the 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 best advice is for both partners to parent their own kids and yes. i find this difficult because often there are different rules right different oh standards different expectations and people think like you know oh how am i going to deal with this it's not fair that his kids get to watch tv until 11 o'clock and i make my kids go to bed at nine o'clock and they're going to say it's not kids know that shit isn't fair yeah. they, they know that i they think he's not your dad He's exactly. I'm your mom. That's, that's, it. that's the whole answer. Yeah. And people have such a hard time with that. And when you, you know, when I tell it to my clients, they, they just go, I can do oh, that. I like, can do that. Like right. I've been busting my head trying to make everything fair so that we're having, we'll compromise on this and you compromise on that. And then it'll be all fair. Nothing is fair, man. Like you're their and mother. It's, it's impossible. Their right. So I'm actually in an awesome situation because my husband and I don't live together. He lives in another state. And while that sucks because we miss each other. We both have three physical children each that need to be parented and we do not parent the same. So when we get our crew together, his kids are a little bit younger than mine and my kids have a lot more freedom. And so he'll be like, well, your kids are going to stay up so late. What am I going to do with my kids? Because they're going to want to stay up late. I'm like, you can do whatever you want with your kids. I'm not going to change what my kids are doing because your exactly. kids are here. And you could do whatever you want because we have different kids. And, they it. need, and it's so freeing when you realize, oh, I don't have to, I'm not responsible for them. Like I have enough people to take care of. Yeah. Well, and what would you do if you were together and they were cousins and some of the cousins are 15 and some of them are five. It's not just because you're all sharing rooms in the same house that everybody gets to have the same rules. Right. And if you're like, you might suck it up for a weekend if there's like a big holiday and okay, like it's going to be madness. But if you're going to be together for two weeks, you're not going to just let your five-year-old like watch all the things that the big kids are watching on TV and all the, or like, make the big kids not watch the things just because the five-year-old's there. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to, you know, everybody's going to say, cause these are our rules at home and we're here having a good time, but we're not like throwing all the rules uh, in the toilet just cause we're here all together. Like you're my kids and these are our rules. Right. I love that. I have a quick question for you because I know we're taking up so much time and I have so many questions for you. I want you to tell us about the podcast, your essential stepmom podcast. Tell me what I'm going to be starting to listen to and subscribe. What is on your podcast? What are you doing? 
Um, I'm doing all kinds of different things. It's so fun. I'm, it's one of the funnest projects I've ever done. Um, but we did, um, I, I've sort of been limping along bit by bit and chopping it into different seasons. So I'm on season six now, although it's, you know, it's been a year and a half. I, I haven't been there for six years, but <laughs> I put, I put an episode out pretty much every week. So we're up to 60 some odd um, episodes now. And I did a whole season about parental alienation. And the current season is all interviews with dads, with biological dads. Um, uh, all but one are um, like divorced or single dads, but um, super interesting. That's my, my big area of interest right now is providing resources for the dads who I think are being they're a little bit behind, let's say, in getting getting help because women are so much more likely to reach out for help. That was another thing that Dorsey Pruder said. Her yes. her um, program, uh, and she also coaches um, dads, uh, parents, both like any moms and dads. She coaches individuals through uh, divorce and custody proceedings to you know get better outcomes, uh, but. She said it's almost always the, the stepmom who reaches out to her. The women are reaching out much more readily, uh, looking for resources, right? So, so I thought, well, if women are finding my podcast, Wait, then so let them. Do you mean the new wife of the yeah. bio dad reaches out and says, "We need help." Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because what problems are they seeing? It, in her case, it's the custody and parental alienation and just being up against the wall, like false claims and child protective services and- um, So high, ultra high conflict. What problems are you conflict. seeing? What problems are you seeing with stepmoms? Um, I see um, family dynamic issues. I see a lot of, um, you know, it's hard. It's super hard if you, when, like, as we were just talking about parenting your own kids and not being a mom, it's very hard when the dad is, unable to be a dad because of the dynamics of divorce, because of the high conflict, he can't impose anything on his kids without fear that they're going to say, I don't like it here. I'm not coming anymore. If mm. I can't stay up, if I can't watch all the TV I want, if I can't play my video games, if I'm not allowed to smoke in my bedroom, whatever it might be, you know, um, I'm just not coming here anymore. And that's a reality that can totally happen. So like dad is completely handcuffed mm -hmm. as a parent by the high conflict divorce dynamic. And I, it might not even be like actual um, deliberate interference. It might just be that the dad only gets to see his kids every other weekend and he doesn't want to spend three quarters of it in a timeout. So mm -hmm. he's, not, um, he's not holding boundaries the way he might otherwise do. It might also be that in the previous marriage, there's always one parent who is more likely to be the, you know, the disciplinarian and one who is more the good cop, you know, or whatever, uh, just by nature of your personality, by mm -hmm. how you were raised, by lots of things. And so if dad is used to the mom being the one who lays down the law, he, he's not just going to grow a whole new personality because he has to do both roles now. And if he's with a woman he, there is a, a possibly an unconscious expectation that she's going to take over that role 
and kind of lay down the law. Like it's bedtime now, she's going to take care of that. She's going to put you in your pajamas and brush your teeth and make you do it when you're saying, no, I don't want to. And so if she doesn't do those things, they don't happen. And she's standing by watching, either jumping in kind of by reflex to, to do those things or seeing that nothing's happening. The kids are swinging from the chandelier at 1130 at night because he hasn't been able and then to that causes arguments between you and the marriage because when you exactly. try to tell them like why are they not brushing their teeth the dad usually gets defensive that's and instead right. of just saying oops i forgot to do that thanks for helping me out they yeah. take it critically and they think you're criticizing them as a parent exactly and even i know, know even, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly so so um that's what i'm uh that, that, those are the kind of stories that I'm getting from the dads now, which is really great of all the challenges that they have in parenting after a divorce or separation, or, you know, being a single dad or whatever it might be, uh, all the feelings that you have of um, uh, feeling inadequate or feeling in lots of cases really beat up and frankly emasculated by the divorce, which is often a horrible procedure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, that's what I'm doing now is um, really trying to work. I can't more wait to listen. I'm so excited. Tell, tell us the name of it again. Essential Stepmom. I can't. And it's wait. on all the platforms. I'm going to post and, it in these, in these notes and I'm going to be subscribing. I have one last question for you because we could chat forever. And I'm certain of that because I had so many I didn't get to ask you. If you could turn back time and talk to yourself at the beginning of your relationship with your current husband about being a stepmom and everything. Is there anything you would do differently? Do differently? No, but probably. Sounds like you have done it really well. It was, well, there was a lot of hard work. I mean, I think that if I could tell myself anything, it would be um, keep going. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I, I'm a very, I'm a very optimistic person. Like I'm one of those like glass half full people. I, and anybody who knows me will say that's probably the, what in the, you know, top three things that anybody would say about me is that uh, I'm like, a, uh, I'm a life, lifelong, like fourth degree optimist. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I always knew that it would come out okay. But, um, but man, it was some really, really intensely hard years and um it would have helped a lot to just really know like <laughs> to be able to say from my future self to like, know it was going to be okay not just hope no okay. exactly to know that it was going to be okay and um that there there actually is a way there is a way that it I, it feels like you're in a like in a maze with no map to mm -hmm. get out of it. And um, there really are some reliable strategies that work better than others. And I've validated that by talking to hundreds of stepmoms. I really wanted to know, like, is it just me? Like, was this just a one-off in our situation that, that it came out okay? Or is it because like, can I, can I draw a red thread through all the things that we did to say, like this could this, work for almost anybody. This could work for anybody, no matter what their situation. So that's, that's been my work of the last few years. 
I have a selfish follow-up question and then I'm going to yeah. have you tell us where to find you again and we'll let you go. Okay. Um, so I'm a stepmother and I, like I said, I do have a very backseat role, but in terms of supporting my husband about what he needs from me while he's dealing with all the things you just mentioned as a father, yeah. Yeah. how can I best support him? Oh, that's a really good question. I think positivity is just so important. And, um, and I think encouraging your partner to get the support that they need from outside of your relationship. It's really easy to be, it was certainly easy for me because I could not drag my husband to any kind of <laughs> therapy. So you end up kind of being the therapist and it's not okay. I, I mean, I've had to say a few times, like, I don't, I don't want to be your therapist. I, I want to be your wife and mm -hmm. let's find you a therapist because that would be, you know, so I would say to, to support him in getting the resources that he needs to feel okay, to be a better parent. There's all kinds of parenting tools. I mean, I think, I think it's specifically people need step, not, you know, for the dad, he doesn't need step parenting tools, but he needs, he needs special co tools, yeah. co-parenting tools. And, and even like post-divorce, yeah. dynamic parenting. That's what I is, do. Thanks for the intro. So what I actually yeah. do is I make them, I make them. It's called in your corner because I'm like a boxing coach and I'm in the corner. I can't do the work, but I tell them like, we first have to get through the trauma and the anger and the pain. And we just identify that and get through it. And then yeah. we focus on what do you want? Like, how yeah. do you want to look back in 20 years and say, this is the father I was, this is the mother I was, and yeah, you get to exactly. decide that. And then I help them find the tools to do that. Because if you don't get through that first part, then you'll never get to the other part. But yes, it's, that it's sounds so much like support. you're saying, you're singing my song. Yeah. Exactly. We sing each other's That's... songs. Will you tell everybody how to find you again? Okay. So I'm on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page called essential Stepmom undeletable dad. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, and my website is essentialstepmom.com. I'm going to include all that in the notes. Thank you so, so much. Do not get off. I have to ask you a quick question before we go. Okay. And I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Me too. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.